Baker, are you on your landline? Yeah, this is landline. Landline, landline. Um, okay. Can you make... That's why I didn't respond to text messages today, because I heard you venting about it yesterday, and I decided to pick up my landline and call your landline. I love it. That's the point of this thing. Welcome to Landline Podcast. I'm a professional voiceover artist that Alex could never have actually gotten unless I was his friend from 10 years ago. And now it's time to talk Patriots football with Chris Baker, the dental maker. And now it's time to talk Pat's football with a couple of assholes. You're listening to Landline. Landline. Are you stable today? Yeah. Okay, good. Why, are you stable? Well, about as stable as you can get coming off a weekend in Vegas at an Invisalign conference and taking a red eye on Spirit Airline on the way home. Do you think that um, the Invisalign conference is crazier than the Braces conference used to be? What do you mean by that? No, I think it's definitely the future. I mean, it's, there's no doubt those people are doing some really cool stuff, and they're doing it with just plastic, clear plastic. So, But, I mean, in terms of partying, like, do you feel if you compare to 1997 Braces Conference against a 2016 Invisalign Conference, is it, like, pound for pound similar? I think it's probably pretty standard across the board. Orthodontists really like to get down, especially when they let loose. You know, they get away from all the stresses of the office, and they go out there and they see old friends that they went to dental school or orthodontist school with, and they just kind of just let it go. And they all have a bunch of money to play with, so they just, you know, have a great time. What was your drink of choice? What was your Vegas drink of choice? Uh, pretty much sampled them all, but uh, margaritas, and of course I had to have a, a Budweiser and uh, heavy and Chardonnay. I think there was a red wine or two in there as well. And what about the over over the course of various evenings? What about the uh, pool scene? Mm, did I didn't didn't really attend much of the pool scene. It was the although we did gamble and do our, the Vegas thing at night. We were pretty focused during the day, and it was crazy. This hotel it's so expansive. These places you could just get lost inside for days on end. All right. Well, you're no, someone. Normally, you're someone who would hate a place like Vegas, but it sounds like on the whole, it was a pretty positive experience. Yeah, I mean, I was forced to be there probably longer than I would have had I not had the conference to go to, like it was something to do. But um, you know, like if it was just me, like traveling there, and I had a car and freedom, I probably would have took off and gone to Hoover Dam or like. Lake Powell or something. Yeah, Zion, someplace Zion, like that. Zion, I probably would have gotten out of, I probably would have lasted like one night in Vegas. But, you know, pretty successful overall. I mean, saw a lot of friends and, and learned a bunch of stuff. And, and then, like, you know, I, I got a little risque on the on the uh, roulette table and, 
you know, put a couple hundreds down on black a few times in a row and ones, and then I took that money and just pocket, wow. pocket and quit. Wow. So you were up. You left Vegas up. Oh, yeah. I left up. And then I sold the Patriots tickets today and, and left left Man- Bedford, New Hampshire up even more. So pretty successful in, in that, those regards. But And you sold your buddy Scott the tickets. Did you make him pay a premium or was it face value? Face value. I, I actually gave him. I actually gave it to him for a little less than face value. Those expensive seats, but and it's, you think he'll sit? I, you know, you know, he he provides us with such a great time down there, and, and yeah. he's always been so like I don't like. Really... All right, here comes Mike. Please hold. Landline. Are you there, Mike? I'm here. Can you hear me? I can hear you great. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, well, wait for this. Mike. Yes. Baker. Michael. Oh, we did uh, it. Yeah. We did it. You guys sound like a million bucks. How we... you doing, buddy? <laughs> it's good to hear your voice, as always. Mikey likes it. You sound so far away, like you're in Chile or something. I am. I am. That's yeah. surprising. <laughs> Mike, are you drinking the uh, Tom Brady, the Tom Brady's Balls Ale? Yeah, this is uh, this is not the same one I had before. This is an amber ale I'm drinking um, that I just brewed up a couple weeks ago. So uh, it's it's all right, not great, but but pretty good. Well, we are back together. It is the Patriots podcast on Landline. Couldn't be more excited. The sound has never been better. The Patriots have never been better. The country has never been better, according to some people on this call. So uh, it's going to be a spirited conversation. We're going to do a tight pod pregame. Or, or, um, we are up against the Seahawks-Patriots primetime game, NBC football. I am making a little bit of spinach dip and nachos. Um, and I got a couple of uh, local organic IPAs in the fridge. So I'm, I'm geared up. I did my homework early. I'm excited. Uh, Mike Baker just got back from Vegas, so he's just telling me about that. Um, and what's the story in Chile? Like, what's let's just let's just get right into the Trump. I want to know what I want to know what an ex what someone who moved to the Southern Hemisphere thinks of the American election. Mike, did you vote? Did you absentee vote? Yeah, yeah, I absentee voted in both the uh, primaries and the uh, general election. Uh, which wasn't system. easy. It was a fucking pain in the ass. Um, but, uh, yeah, I couldn't be happier about my decision to move out of the state. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, but, um, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's rough and it's just, it's rough because every person I see now, I have to explain what's going on and what happened and how this happened. And it's just, it's exhausting. And I just kind of want to hide in my house and, and uh, not talk about it with anybody. <laughs> what do they? I mean, what do they ask you? Like, what is the? Are they? Are, is it like? How did this happen? Like, why are you so stupid? Or like, are they like? Why is the electoral college in existence? Um, no, it's mostly like, how did this happen? How did he become? Like, how did nothing about the electoral college? It's like, how did he end up being your president? And I wish I had a better answer for them. Yeah, but it, I don't get it either. It, but... It's kind of crazy how. You know, you think you live in this bubble, like where I'm sure you guys, everybody's talking about it, and you think, 
well, you know, what is what are people in like the Patagonia? Do people even care? It's like, yes, people down here, everybody knows about it and everybody's talking about it. And every single one of my Korean students, when I got on in the morning, it was the first thing they asked me was, what the, what the hell happened, basically? Oh, my God. You're getting it on all sides. You're literally getting it in all hemispheres on all continents. Yeah. Cor- it's it's Korea in the morning and South America in the afternoon. You literally have the worst job for Donald Trump being president. <laughs> I know. It's horrible. And, like, so basically I was thinking about it earlier. And, like, um, when I was in college, I – Stupidly, you know, chose to be a sociology major. I have no idea why. And basically all my sociology classes were me sitting in a room with, you know, 75 to 80 percent females um, talking about how the white man has caused all the problems in society today. And I've been like since that time, I've been trying to stick up for like, like, no, you know, it's not that bad. You got to look at the bright side whatever. It is getting harder and harder to stick up for white men because it looks like it is all our fault. All the, all the world's ills are, are due to us. Baker, are you ready for the counterpoint here? Or are you like loading up? What's your, I mean, all, all jokes aside, you're probably more optimistic than most people. Do you want to give us a ray of sun? I just put it this way. I mean, I don't really need to get into politics the whole thing, but I just wanted to, I'm just happy that our democracy works. It works. I mean, that guy won the election. I don't know how. I don't really understand, like, all the dynamics that have occurred to allow Donald Trump to become the president. But at the end of the day, he won and against probably nearly every odd. You know, he faced a Clinton, an established candidate. He, he's a racist. He's a sexist. He's, he's everything. He's all these things that everyone kept saying that he was. And the media was on him 24 hours a day, and somehow that guy figured out how to win the election. And I know I listened to your guys' podcast on the plane last night, so I know you I, like I understand where you're coming from with Alex. Actually, I think you you have like the most steady thought process about this election of anyone I've talked to. But I was just like, I'm just happy that it actually works. Like I thought for sure she, she was going to win. I thought it was over, just like everybody else did, you know. And somehow Donald Trump against. The establishment of politics and all the stuff that I'm sure is wrapped up in that that we never see, he managed to win. So I'm just happy that the democracy works, you know? Yeah, it's. It, I am trying to put the most positive spin on this that I can. I keep. I just saw some excerpts from 60 Minutes, which is actually probably airing right now, but we can watch it on demand. And there were some moments where he sounded like he had it together. He's already walking back the healthcare stuff by saying he, he's going to keep the pre-existing condition thing. He's going to keep children um, who are covered on, in their parents' insurance plan in. But then they were talking about his Twitter account, and he was talking about how he's not going to stop tweeting and how basically, like, I don't know, he was just being Donald Trump, and I was like, I, I just can't believe this guy is the president. Like, I just cannot <laughs> believe this. If, this he just, if, if they can just take that Twitter account away from somehow he gets himself in trouble at about 3 o'clock in the morning every night. But he doesn't drink. I know. It's the craziest part. So um, just trying to circle back to football a little bit, because that's why we do come together. Mike, what did you think about the Belichick-Brady sort of like, you know, 20, 23rd hour Trump reading the letters out loud thing? And like, how how is your mind? I mean, you are a, you are definitely a Brady-Belichick 
uh, guy, um, soup to nuts, as am I, as am Baker, so as is Baker. So did that cloud your sort of judgment of them, or do you not care? Well, it's just, I'm a typical, I guess, American voter in which I only hear what I want to hear, so that was something negative that I didn't want to hear, so I just totally ignored it. (laughs) Um, And so it really didn't affect me that much. Um, But I I will say, getting back to what you guys are saying, it is incredibly interesting that that he actually ended up winning. Just the politics, the political things, horrible as he is, the way that actually the whole thing shaped out was very interesting to see. I think I that – sorry. Move go, on. <laughs> yeah. And talk about football. All right. Uh, I mean, I look, I think ultimately it's it's crazy, but may, he could be the worst thing that ever happened to the political process. He could be the best. He, he could make – like if you – I don't know if you guys have seen the Dave Chappelle Saturday Night Live monologue yet. It's been going around, but I, Anna and I just watched it. We plugged the computer into the TV with the HDMI cable, very tech-savvy over here at Brown House, and, uh, and watched it. And Chappelle is just, like, ripping on everybody like he does, and he did a great job. Um, but he ends with this really, like, upbeat note. Mm, I uh, um, and I just think it's it's interesting, like – if everyone starts paying attention because they hate Donald Trump, then he's a net positive for the country. So, um, because one of the problems amongst all of them is that nobody pays attention. So, uh, so that's that. Um, all right. Well, I will say this interesting thing about the Brady and the Belichick thing is number one, I don't really care who they support. I'm, I don't really know we, if we even know who they voted for. You know, right? That's all coming from Donald Trump, who. You know, according to Alex, you know for sure he's just an absolute liar, complete liar. <laughs> well, so, I mean, um, I think he's lying. Like, I think he's more he's more liberal than he's saying. That's what I, th- I agree we- with you. I think he is, too. But regardless of all that, like, you know, the letter and like, I just that's so like unbelichick to me. Yeah, he did that. And then it's so what I then I saw that I so I saw the letter thing read and then and then then he came out and addressed it and then I saw this picture of when he was at the White House and I forgot that when they won the Super Bowl Obama like chided him about about Deflategate. Uh oh. You there? Yeah, hold on. You there still? Yeah. NSA shutting us down. Mike says, hold on. He's got to call back. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, you there? Mike? Mike? Yeah, did that just put out? Was that me? Or is that you? Yeah, that was you. No, we're, I'm, I got the, that was you. But uh, here we go. I'm going to, all right, everyone's here. Okay, so I got, so Yay. I want to, I got some thoughts. Hey, Mike. Mike? Yes, I'm here. Okay. So I have some thoughts on the letter about Belichick, which I'm, I find it so weird that he would allow, Trump to like share that with the world, but he did anyway, right? And then and then I so I'm I'm like looking at this photo, and I remembered that Obama like chided when they won the Super Bowl, they like chided Belichick when they were at the White House, like made a Deflate Gate joke, right? And Belichick's like looking at him at Obama, and he's giving him the thumbs down, like he's kind of laughing, like in a Belichick way, and he's like giving Obama the thumbs down. And so that was one thing that I thought was interesting because it's like, okay, that was Belichick's revenge, you know, for Obama making fun of making a deflategate joke at the White House when they were there. 
So that I thought was pretty cool. And what was the other thing? Oh, Jamie Collins. They traded Jamie Collins. And, like, Holy what better way to distract the locker from locker room Jamie Collins talk on a week up to the Seahawks game than to insert yourself into, like, the hottest topic on going on in the country, which was, like, the political race. Yeah, but, but Baker, you have... Thing okay. I thought about, maybe he just did it on purpose just so he could take all the heat for that and they wouldn't have to talk about Jamie Collins being traded. It just okay. Put yourself in the shoes of a young black man, though, and like let's pretend you are somewhat liberal, um, and you hear Trump, and you're like you're you're caught in the echo chamber of of basically people just saying Trump's a racist, Trump's a racist, which I I think we can all agree Trump's has said racist things. I don't know that he's a racist. Um, I don't know if putting yourself on Trump's side if you're Belichick is a great way to like get the respect of your 24-year-old black linebacking core. I mean, I I guess I I like where you're going with the conspiracy theory because I do think that he's like operating on a on a meta level, but uh I don't know. I mean, there is a there is a part of me that what I mean, what if he shipped Jamie Collins off because Jamie Collins was going to be like the Colin Kaepernick of the Patriots locker room and he wanted to be able to like support Trump without Collins around. I don't know. We're, these are far-fetched theories. Like, clearly, <laughs> clearly, all of us have heard everything on sports radio, so we're really digging deep here. But I don't know. I my first worry was like, oh shit, all the minorities on the team are gonna hate his guts. Um, but maybe I have no idea what. Maybe he sits there and says, I'm not political That's to them. Anyway. on the offense then, except for Martellus Bennett. <laughs> there. Oh my God! I don't know. It's uh, you know I think Belichick or excuse me Brady. It sounds like Giselle did is not a Trump fan, and she pretty much put the kibosh on him doing any more Trump things. It'll be interesting to hear him tomorrow morning on Dennis and Callahan or whatever it's called now. Kirk, oh, I can't wait. What a great what a great reply. Um, he just like laughs. He's like, my wife won't let me talk about politics anymore. Next yeah. question. <laughs> so funny. So here it is, the uh, the Patriots, the, the, the Trump-loving Patriots. They're going to go over great in the heartland, I guess. Um, oh, and think about how great it's going. And Brady didn't even go to the White House last time. So, you know, I don't know where his, his politics lie, but it's just interesting that he wasn't there. Belichick gave him the thumbs down. Then they come out and support Trump. And then when they win the Super Bowl this year, they're just going to go have a great time with him at the White House. I do think I tr- I believe Belichick when he says he's not political. Um, what do you guys think of that though? Is that a possible thing for somebody to be like? Did you see the Nick Saban comments about how he didn't know it was election day? Mike, did you see that? No. He 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 told the press he didn't know it was election day and he didn't pay attention to what happened. <laughs> no, that's that's I can't believe that for a second. Yeah. <laughs> um, Mike, are you on Facebook? What do you mean, like right now? Or? No, just like in life. Are you on Facebook? I just, about a month and a half ago, I deactivated my account, which uh, I knew you would be proud of me for doing that. Because I was just wondering, like, what, what... How does it feel, Mike? Because I want to do it. It's amazing. It's just I, the last two years I've wanted to do it, and it's been a pain in the ass. And uh, it feels great just to, like, not even have to worry about that. It's not something I deal with anymore. I don't... Uh, just it's out of my life. And uh, one last thing to worry about. Yeah, I'm really thinking about doing it too. As I, I was playing golf, 
I was playing golf with Mitch and our buddy Ian in Oregon a couple weeks ago, and we were talking about Facebook. We had a huge beers and had huge beers. We'd had a few beers and maybe the occasional toke. And uh, and I was just like, you know what? Think about all the time I've had in the last eight years of my life not being on Facebook. Like, if you added all that time up, how much time is that to do stupid shit like this podcast? Um, <laughs> and and uh, but it's amazing. It's like it's literally free money. It's not it's like it's just all of a sudden you have time that you're not doing that. That's my big argument for it. But I I don't know. Sorry, I cut you off. What were you going to say? Well, no, no, no. I, I what was what was the original reason why you asked me? Oh, just cuz you come from a liberal family and I was just thinking about your parents before we start started podcasting and like how uh you know, interesting it would be to hear their opinion. I wondered like it's just like, look, you have a you have a unique point of view right now. You are out of the country, you live far away, and the way that you are seeing the American reaction to this election is definitely all. It has to be all through the media because you can't walk out on the street and be in an American city. So I would, I was just wondering if like you're if you were on Facebook, what it was like to see all that stuff. And I've actually been really turned off by the way. People are like sending around emails and all this stuff as if we're all thinking in the same way. Like my understanding of what's going on is much different than people who might have voted the same way I did. And I really don't I, I think the whole problem the reason Trump got elected is because everyone is just doing groupthink and they're not thinking about any of the nuance. And then everyone's reaction to that was just to continue the groupthink rather than like have any sort of individual direct thought. So I just I wondered what your What's really interesting about that is, is it's true. And part of the reason why I I quit Facebook was because I couldn't take that same shit coming from my uncle or this guy posting 15 things a day about how Trump's a racist or Hillary this or whatever. And then what is really interesting about the whole election is that all these people who are talking so much and are like they're talking on Facebook that this is the biggest thing in their life. I feel like those younger kids on Facebook are the ones who didn't go out and vote. And because of that, that's the reason why Trump got elected. So it's all these people who will sit there for hours and hours spewing pure bullshit into their computer. They're the ones who didn't go out and go to their polling station and vote. And that's 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 just kind of sums up everything about our society. Yeah, I think there's a big landline lesson to be learned here. Like, I do think landline has a new place in the in the um, post-Trump presidency or the the post-Trump election, which is maybe if people were paying a little bit more attention to what was actually going on directly around them in the physical world, they would have been a little bit more in tune with the idea that not everyone was like sailing along, loving their lives, and couldn't wait to elect Hillary Clinton and. Uh, it's just, you know, one of the things that Anna said right after is it's crazy how much of the media is created in these tiny little areas. Like one of the reasons we were all surprised is because it's not like we were watching like the Wisconsin Farm News on a daily basis. So it's like everything is coming out of New York or L.A. or wherever. And I don't know. It's just another fascinating element to all of it. Um, all right. Well, the world goes on. Um, Gabe's going to call any minute here. I feel like we do we want to do Patriots right now. I'm ready to go, but we could also just any anyone else want to check in on, about anything else, you know, going on. Mike, how pregnant is your wife right now? My wife is very, very pregnant. She's uh, 
uh, what, about seven months pregnant right now, so about to be seven months, so um, it's, uh, you'll see, Aldo, um, wh- how, how pregnant is, is Anna? Anna's four, f- she's about halfway through, she's got a little okay. belly, she's got a little belly, uh, you know, it's, she's pregnant, it's not, there's, there, the, it only goes one way, it, it, it gets, yeah. <laughs> it gets bigger. What's interesting about it is that, like, y- you'll notice, like, why they're called trimesters because the first one is very different from the second one. The second one was incredible. You know, we were walking, going on hikes, doing all this stuff, being very active, um, really kind of enjoying the pregnancy as opposed to the first one, which was basically her feeling nauseous and not being able to eat all the time. And now she's just like big and everything is about her. Like, not being able to move around and she she's a little bit clumsier so she drops stuff on the ground and like bending over to pick her pick stuff up just gets her so pissed so she's constantly just swearing about dropping stuff on the ground and uh i'm just trying to be as supportive as i can but i don't know how to do that and uh the you're re- i mean you live in the middle of nowhere so what's the hot what's the pregnancy plan you're going to go to porto mont I mean the birth, the birth plan. The birth plan. So originally, it was to go to Puerto Montt. We had heard Rocio's um, sister is a doctor, and like the first thing she said when we moved to Pujolapu, which is tiny town of you know two thousand people in the middle of Patagonia, was you can't have the baby there. You've got to go back to Puerto Montt, you know, the larger city near us, to to do it. Um, and so we've always thought that, but um, talking to the the guy in charge of pregnancy here it's, it's called a matrone which is kind of like a midwife it's a little bit more um official than that um and the doctors here uh they've got everything ready to go here like it's it's totally fine to have the baby here and if there's any complications they'll know beforehand and we'll go to puerto Montt and we'll have the kid there but um we recently had to go to Puerto Montt just to do like the last checkup um, there, which, you know, they took an ultrasound and did all this stuff. Um, but it's horrible because it's such a huge hospital and there's so many people running in and out and it's just not, not good at, at all. And this, you know, it's the hospital's two blocks away from our house. The, the midwife, the matrone is, incredible he's been here for 20 years doing this he's never had a problem you know and just the thought of having it here in in this tiny hospital in our town and being able to like we have the room to ourselves we'll have the room to ourselves for as long as we want after that um it's great and then i'll be able to run back to the house and get whatever and so we've decided to have it here and uh we're actually i'm really excited about it amazing that's yeah. Landline fully endorses you having your ginger American Chilean kid in the middle of nowhere. It's like so cool. Well, it's it's crazy because it's the perfect kind of balance between you'll you'll just the thing I hate about this is how everybody spews all their bullshit about how the time they were pregnant and how they wanted to do it. And you know, there's people who did home births and all they want to do is talk about how amazing it is to have the kid at home and how you should definitely do it. And they're pushing you or there's people who 
you know, we had this problem and you have to have it in the hospital because of this. So this is a great balance between like having it in like a, a big hospital, you know, with the big thing and having something closer to home. It's the perfect balance in the middle, which is what we're looking for. So. All right. Well, uh, we're excited. And, you know, if anything goes wrong, just post it on Facebook and all those people will <laughs> fix it. Um, well, Baker, as we get closer to our bookie calling up, um, our famous friend Gabe, do you want to give us a wedding update? Have you uh, picked which reverend is going to marry you or what are, what the hors d'oeuvre spread is going to look like? The reverend. So, <clears throat> so well, I've told you about the cheese spread, the cheese, the Wisconsin versus the Vermont cheeses. So that'll be kind of interesting. Ooh, tell us more. I don't know if you have told us. Have you told us that? Well, I mean, I you know, heard Margo's from Wisconsin, obviously we're from Vermont, so we're going to have like a dueling cheeses spread and figure out how, you know, people can kind of decide what they like better. I love that. Some way. Um, and at first we had we had one person in mind that we were going to have marry us, and then that turned into another person, which in turn now has turned into a third person. So now we have a decision to make. But you didn't tell the – did you tell persons one and two before you decided on three, or it's all been internal? Internal. Nice. Internal, nice. yeah. So, so, but no, we, we met with a wedding planner, which actually happened to be uh, our, our bookie's wedding planner, um, our famous friend Gabe's. Perfect. He, and she turns out to actually know my dad and and her husband um, – it was my one of my dad's like saxophone players, like coaches or teachers a long time ago. So like, to, you know, it's very nice that they could they kind of know us and they know what we're looking for. And um, wait, is but, that is that the people who live in like Brownsville, Vermont? Um, yeah, they could like a Woodstock area, maybe. Are they? Oh, maybe the planner. We so Gabe had the. It's not Gabe's caterer. It's Gabe's planner. Planner. Yeah. All right. Well, I want to tell a quick story about Gabe's caterer before uh, before we move on. But keep going. Sorry. But anyway, she came up to the land and checked it out, and you know, I think she she kind of like gets the vision of things and what what we want. And I mean, obviously, we're, we're trying to do it like we're not trying to like break the bank and have the nicest wedding in the world. But still, everything is just seems to be expensive with weddings. It's kind of annoying. I'd rather just. I almost want to. I told Marco like when we were up there with her, I'm like, we could still elope, you know, and just take this money and, like, start a house with it, you know? It's it's the hardest thing in the world to, I mean, God, it's not the hardest thing in the world. There's way harder things. Living in that town in Syria that's currently being besieged is the hardest thing in the world. But um, basically everyone is go- has gone, every white upper middle class person who uh, has has a cookie cutter wedding has gone through what you're going through. I went through it and you're the whole time. You're like, we could just do this. We could just not spend the money. We could just take the money. We could just buy a house. And then you end up not doing it and blowing the money and then not having any money after it's over. So, uh, good luck with that. I fully support you not having a wedding and we can use this gambling money, um, flying Mike someplace else. Yeah. Uh, I think that's a good idea. So have the wedding. Do it. I want to come back. So, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's all very real now. You know, it's like the the easy part was getting engaged. And now I feel like now I have to, like, be forced to, like, make decisions. And those are, like, obviously those, as you know, me pretty well. That's kind of my, always my strongest suit when, when I'm pressured and feel pressured to do something. And I tend to, like, not answer my text messages for hours on end, basically. Yeah, well, we'll do your your mental download a, another pod, I think. Um, 
Gabe's saying that you're not picking up. Baker, are you on your landline? Yeah, this is landline. Landline, landline. Um, okay. Can you make... That's why I didn't respond to text messages today, because I heard you venting about it yesterday, and I decided to pick up my landline and call your landline. I love it. That's the point of this thing. It's all worked so well without Gabe, and now that Gabe's involved, it's just getting more complicated. All right, well, should we just tell him to screw it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I'm happy to do that. I've got the... Uh... All right. Um, well, seriously, what do you guys want to do? Should we tell Gabe to fuck off? I'll call back on my phone. Um, all right. Well, I don't know if we should take the spread tonight. What's what? We're gonna have to talk about it. But I'm I'm sort of nervous, honestly. We're here. All right. Hello. It's a spread. Hi, guys. Gabe. Gabe. It's our famous friend in L.A., Gabe. Gabe, our famous guy in Los Angeles. Gabe, what's the most famous thing you've done in the last uh, week? Um, I was on the sideline for U.S.-Mexico World Cup qualifier. Is that famous? That's pretty famous. I mean, was there, like, any famous people there? Mm, not really. I was just at a baby CPR class. I was hoping there were going to be some celebrities in Santa Monica, but there weren't. Didn't you see Jim, Didn't you see Jimmy Kimmel at a pumpkin patch? Yeah, that wasn't in the last week, but that's a good one. I went to, like, this shitty pumpkin patch. And, like, all these people were in line to ride, like, Little Ponies. And, like, Jimmy Kimmel was there, and he was just, like, filming his kid with an iPhone. But he looked like just, like, a typical, you know, L.A. 40-something dad with, like, cargo shorts and a T-shirt on and a chubby belly. Everybody loves Jimmy Kimmel. No one's ever said anything negative about him. He's just, like, even Donald Trump loves Jimmy Kimmel. Um, Yeah. Gabe, um, you recently had your um, feature-length 30 for 30 documentary premiere on ESPN. Do you want to just do a quick plug? You know, this company doesn't have a lot of listeners, but we're just as profitable as Twitter, so I don't think you should look down on us. Yep, hit it hard. It had the two best air dates you could imagine, Game 6 against Game 6 of the World Series and then against, against Election Night. So I'm sure oh. everybody tuned in to watch it. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> But you can find it on your local DVR or probably Netflix in a couple weeks. So make sure to check it out. Is there going to be another air date or is that it? Oh, they air it all the time. I just don't know. I don't know when they'll do it. All right. Well, it's the story of John Daly winning winning his two major championships. It's quite good. We saw a personal screening at our home theater in Hanover. Um, Not in Chile. How did you see it? um, Well, I could have bought it about a week earlier, but... Instead, I waited until it was on my website where I download movies illegally. <laughs> so <laughs> I didn't even want to Whoa. give you like three dollars that it would have gone to helping you. <laughs> well, I wouldn't have made any of that money, so I'm honored that it was even on an illegal download website. That must mean someone was watching it. I know. I was so surprised. Gabe, does how's John Daly reacting to? I mean, it's getting a lot. Of, you've got over a million views, right? You've got you're in you're in the uh, the seven digits. Yeah, yeah, good press. He's loving it, and and now he's also loving the recent election too. So he's really, you know, he's getting in the news everywhere. He was he's on having the, a he, good week, huh? Yeah, he was on TMZ Sports doing an interview about how Donald Trump will do more for minorities than Obama ever did. I can't say I totally <laughs> agree with him, but I, I respect his point. Well, Amarosa does, so that makes two of them. Um, okay, here we go, guys. We're talking sports. I'm going to do a little intro here. This is from today's New York Times, Chris's favorite newspaper. Yeah. 
The Patriots were, were the Patriots were supposed to give the rest of the NFL a head start while quarterback Tom Brady spent the first four weeks of the season in a timeout corner. Well, the 2016 season is halfway spent, and New England is imperiously looking down from a seven and one perch at the bog of mediocrity that has swallowed most of it would most of its would be peers. Brady has been in ruthlessly vintage form, completing 73.1% of his passes. The defense is so impregnable that the Patriots confidently dispatched an all-pro linebacker, Jamie Collins, to Cleveland at the trading deadline, accepting a middle-round draft pick just so they could dodge Collins' demands as a free agent in the offseason. Well, that's a long run-on sentence, New York Times. Too many commas. In the second act of this freed Brady campaign, will anyone slow down the Pats? This weekend brings a critical test. They host the Seahawks in a rematch of Super Bowl, what is that, 49. Here is a look at Sunday's matchups and who we think will win. And then they go on to describe the game. They pick the Patriots. Gabe, what's the line? Where are we at? We are gambling to get Mike to get, to Baker's wedding. We started with four hundred bucks. We are up to five seventy five. Oh we, yeah, uh, like one game. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, should we? Why don't we, Gabe? Just give us a little recap on how awful we were doing before we decided on a new strategy. Oh, we were terrible. We were like multiple, you know, chains of text messages every Sunday guessing games and thinking we were going to make money, and then we would all lose our bets except for the Patriots, which we'd bet on each time. So then we kind of ditched that. But we got down – we were down in the dumps for a while. Were we below 200? I think we were. We were down into like the ones – we had lost over 200 bucks. Yeah. And we started making some big bets. That's how you make money, right? I said right? put it all on the Patriots one night. We put the rest of it on there because otherwise we're, we're going to be done here. It's a slow yeah. death. I'm looking up the. I'm I'm looking up exactly how low we got, but um, yeah, it was bad. I mean, we at one point I think I think we've picked the Bears, we've picked the Buccaneers. I mean, my I was the worst. I don't think I won one single game. Um, I think I won one. That was it. So now we've gone all Patriots all the time, and we basically make one big bet. Um, and we didn't gamble last week, right? We kept off it. We were in a fight. We were in a text message fight. Well, yeah, and it was the bye week, and we stopped betting on anything. But the election. I did a side, I did a election. side bet that I obviously lost. <laughs> oh, great! We have less money. No, I don't. No, think no, we... this is side bets. I don't count uh, that to our. I, no. Every once in a while, I get a little frisky and I lose some money by myself. All right, so we're at five seventy four. Last time we checked, the plane tickets from uh, Porto Mont to Boston. Um, actually, I think I've been checking Santiago to Boston, Mike. Yeah, that's fine. That's totally fine. Uh, they were 9.08. So, I mean, we only need around 334 more dollars. And we do have a friend, Sean, the helicopter ski pilot guide, I mean, who says he'll kick 100 bucks down. Um, he's wondering why we're gambling because he thinks we can just raise the money. But I tried to raise the money for Mike to go to somebody else's wedding, and everybody made fun of me. But that might have been because it was on the heels of Mitch raising money for his therapy yurt. So... <laughs> a lot of a lot of a lot of politics there. Um, so basically, we need you know we need another couple good bets. So Gabe, what's the spread, and what do you think the play is here? Let's talk it out. Wait, I was just looking back at some text messages. So I want to recap our last two Patriots bets because they were good ones. So we should yeah. think about this as we do it. Well, we took we we took uh, 
We did uh, minus 10.5 over the Browns, and they covered that. That was a small bet, though. And then we picked minus 3.5 against the Steelers. They won that. So we, but just to point that out, we were down to about two hundred seventy-five dollars. Two seventy-four, and we won one twenty-five. So we went back. We, we went back to even. Full money. We risked two hundred thirty-seven dollars, and we bet down the line. We did a little strategy to get them three and a half, and we won one hundred twenty-five bucks. We teased the line, as cousin Sal would say. We teased the line. Yep, we're getting frisky. And then we bet two hundred dollars their last game and won one hundred seventy-five. So. We're on a hot streak with the Patriots. Now, there's some... I was um, at the bar at John Brewer's Tavern where we had the podcast uh, annual meeting this year. And I went after our soccer game the other night where we I let in a late, an 89th minute goal to tie against the uh, Harvard School of Public Policy and potentially get us out of the playoffs. Um, and I went and had a, a, a big beer at the bar and talked gambling with a couple of locals from Watertown. And they were saying that Russell Wilson, since he's been there, has never lost. He's lost two games from by more than seven points. Can anyone corroborate that stat? I can't. I can't, but I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, their defense has always been good since he's been there, right? So, Mike, what I mean is that they never get blown out, and I'm pretty sure the spread is almost eight. What's the spread at right now? Here we now? go, guys. It's minus seven and a half with a minus 120 VIG, which isn't great. So bet 120 to win 100 if we're uh, going to go big again. What if it's just a win? Going to Moneyline, stand by. It's not going to be good for us. Oh. Yeah, I don't know. Minus 350 just to win. No. So we're, I don't know if we want to risk 350 to win 100. All right, well, let's start arguing with ourselves. And by by that, I mean I'm going to put up a bunch of points that I could completely... I've got an idea. All right. Well, one idea. Just I, throw it out there. I just want to say this. It's the Patriots after a bye week are a great bet to win at least. And I'm not sure Seattle's as good as they used to be. And this team is on fire. Deion Lewis is coming back. They have Deion Lewis. They, they, they have Gronk. They have Edelman. They have Amendola. They have Bennett. They have James White. I mean, they have Blunt. Everybody's healthy. And I just don't see – I mean, their defense could suck, right, because the, their defense does suck. But I – do, is is them winning by ten that much of a stretch? No, I. But I and Bennett's brother isn't even isn't playing, and he's like one of the best defenders, isn't he? Is he out today? That's his brother. Yeah. Wow. Um, I don't know if he's Cam Chancellor is back. I know that, but you know, I don't watch. I don't watch a lot of football, so I don't really know what all that means. Let's just bet it all. Deion Lewis all. is out. Who is Mike? Deion Lewis is. Deion Lewis is inactive for Patriots. Okay. Let's bet it all. Bet it all. They'll win by more than seven and a half. It, does Belichick's letter to Trump affect the line in any way? Like, is he going to be more motivated <laughs> to win by a lot to prove people that he was focused on football and not the election? I think Bra- I think Brady's pretty focused on beating Seattle as bad as he can, right? As he is with every team in the in. I don't know. I, also, Seattle played. A, is it a Sunday night or a Monday night game, and then had to fly across the country? Monday night, yeah, they played Monday night. I, I don't want to bet at all because then we won't have any money to play with. But I would be willing to bet two hundred bucks on the Patriots to cover. So okay, the, the Patriots to cover. I'm going to go back. Hold on, I got to check my trusty site here that I'm not going to give the da- the name for. Could get us in trouble. We're doing straight two hundred to cover. 
Six down. All right, we could bet 230 to win 200. Minus seven and a half. The other option is we could bet tease down the line again, minus three and a half, um, and bet 210 bucks to win 100 bucks if we think it's going to be a closer game. Mike, how are you? Mike, how do you feel? You're the one who's going to get on the plane. Like, were you hoping to fly Delta? Or are you going to fly like a tin can, like that plane that uh, Jake Taylor rides in Major League? Like, what are you looking for here? <laughs> you ride there are just airline. I just took home from Vegas. <laughs> Fucking nightmare that is. <laughs> um, I don't care how I get there. I like. I don't. I feel like it's. We've all put our our money in, and this is all of us trying to do a collective thing. Um, uh, I don't know. I, 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 my, I don't know. What do you guys think? I, I can't do this. You hate gambling. That's the, that's the best part of this whole segment <laughs> is how much you hate gambling. I hate it. Seven and a half know, seems like a lot to me. Like, I think a safer bet if we think they're going to win is the three and a half and just bet 200 to, to win a hundred. Yes. That's fine. Okay. I mean, I, 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 so if we bet 200, we're still only $25 down. Like, Here's one way to do it. Let's look at the Patriots' schedule for the rest of the uh, season. Right, because I think this... this is the hardest game we have left. This is going to be the hardest right. game to gamble. So we should try to have the most amount of money we can for the rest of the of this season. We're, they're at the 49ers. That spread's going to be you know twenty points. Um, at the Jets versus the Rams versus the Ravens at the Broncos versus the Jets at the Dolphins. The Dolphins are pretty are looking like a better team. In Denver covering the spread is going to be a difficult thing, but I mean we have a system here. The system is the Patriots covering the spread and I just don't see the the game could be close and they could win by 10 points. That's my point of view. Um so I don't know. I'm not trying to to lose all our money, but I yeah sure I'll tease the line down that seems like a safe bet um a hundred bucks is still a good appreciation of our our kitty and then we'll be close to we'll we'll have almost seven hundred I mean we'll be getting into the seventy five percent of our our goal range which is pretty hot all right that's so a safe bet. yeah three and a half it's always tricky because if there's a late you know a game winning field goal late we're fucked but we would be fucked either way so yeah the options are just throwing it out seven and a half. We could tease it down to five and a half and kind of split the difference, bet 165 to win 100, or we can get it down to three and a half and bet 210 to win 100. Baker, what do you think? I think it's going to be a tight game, even though I think they can, even though I think they can win by a lot. Excellent. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm all confused. All right, well, it doesn't, you know, whatever. This is half. Let's this, do three and a half. Then we know, like, we're not worrying about that extra. Like, seven and a half, got to get a touchdown and yeah, another point. Thing, yeah. All right, how much are we gambling? 210 to win 100. Okay. That's good. That's good. Putting it in, guys. Baker? All right, fine. Oh, shit. All right, just because that was the worst five minutes in podcast history. Gabe, do you feel like any of the luster is off the uh, Patriots because of the Belichick-Brady support of Donald Trump from your liberal point of view in uh, the Hollywood Hills? I'm more like disappointed than angry or just a little shocked. I, you know, you just think of Bill Belichick as he went to Wesleyan, my alma mater, 
you don't think of him writing side letters to Donald Trump two days before the election. It's just very un-Belichuckian. So, what, what if he I'm wrote the same letter? It. I'm not going to root for him any less. I've talked to other people who are. Chris, that would get, make you angry to hear, but I'm just going to be a little sad about it. That's so stupid. That is so stupid. Why would anybody <laughs> root for the Patriots less because of that? It's so dumb. My question is, the point what... is, it didn't make a difference. Bill Belichick's letter didn't make any difference. Right. He lost New Hampshire, right? Or did he win it? He lost New Hampshire. Well, uh, how about this? What do you think Belichick's face looked like when he was writing Make America Great Again in all caps? <laughs> <laughs> what did his face look like when he found out that Donald Trump was reading it out loud at the rally? Like, yeah. Was, yeah. Was, yeah. I'm sure he was not too happy about that or in the press conference when everyone was grilling him about it. He, I thought he handled his his statements are somehow like so skillful though. Like he, like bringing up John Kerry, like he really is. He's an incredible. He's an incredible. Te- I, was, I thought that. I disagree. I thought that was bullshit. It was Brilliant. his escape out of it. Like he was like we had John Kerry in our locker room. It wasn't like I invited John Kerry because I support him. He wrote a letter, and he also said he writes hundreds of letters a month. Like all of that was fucking Belichick's spin shit. All right. Well, I do not know Bill Belichick, but I. I <laughs> I do not know Bill Belichick, but I know a lot of people who do from Nantucket, and I'm pretty sure all of them are like bleeding heart liberals. So I'm pretty confused as to what exactly the real story is. Um, yeah, it's all very confusing. It's all very, very confusing. So to go back to Mar-a-Lago this year, that's what he wrote. Mar-a-Lago, yeah, right. That's what uh, what's his name has been saying all week, Felger. All right. Um, well, anything else, Gabe? Any uh, upcoming Fox Sports things you want to plug for the uh, 12 people that listen to this podcast? <laughs> no, life is good. Just enjoying the L.A. sunshine. I can't wait for you guys all to visit. Um, any what's your do you have an avocado story from the last couple days you want to tell us? Well, I had three avocados in my house, but I went to the farmer's market this morning and bought two more just to be safe because I don't want to run out. <laughs> and what? Can you can you once and for all tell us when avocado season is? What'd you say? I lost you. When's avocado season? Is there a, is there a season? All year round. I mean, season. There's only one season in California. It's avocado season. There's no fall, winter, spring. It's just avocado. I think Tim from Two Guys One Cup would disagree with you. All right. Well, that's it, Mike. Are you ready for the game in Chile? Are you going to be up for the uh, Koreans tomorrow morning? Oh my God! I don't know. I'm. I'm... I've got me staying up to the end of this game. I wish we could bet on that. I I would take me going to bed because I don't know if I'm going to make it. But whatever. Go Pat. Good talking to you guys. Love you. All right. Well, you know, you are the one person on earth who could easily just watch it tomorrow and never get told because you live in a rural Chilean village. I know. I I was debating whether to watch it tonight or um, uh watch it tomorrow afternoon but i have classes tomorrow afternoon uh, i don't know it's, I'm, I'm gonna watch it tonight i made my decision all right thanks for coming bake oh. baker you're feeling good after vegas ready to settle into a new england night in november oh yeah i'm ready to go i'm feeling i got a hot hand these days and uh, listening i don't support anything that was said on this podcast before i joined especially if it has to do with <laughs> anything political oh we everyone kept it very much together gabe i think you should have a more open mind to the nuance in the american political diaspora okay let's just not (laughs) you do work for fox after all um (laughs) 
All right, well, um, we've got some homemade applesauce here for those of you missing New England. Cinnamon, tiny bit of maple sugar, some um, apples that needed to be uh, skinned and, and chopped. But we got homemade applesauce here. We went on a beautiful walk and watched the harvest moon rise. And now it's going to be... Now it's going to be spinach dip and nachos. So um, everyone, get your landlines out and have a good time watching the Patriots. And we'll see you soon. Thanks for the time, gentlemen. All right. Love you guys. Right. Talk to you later. Go Pats. Love you guys. Bye. See ya. Bye. Landline is hosted, written, and produced by Alex McKay. The best thing you can do to support the show is tell a friend. Find other episodes of Landline on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and talkforaliving.com. Call the Landline at 617-744-1895. Music by the Pitchfork Revolution out of Bend, Oregon. taking this show to the top, baby. You're listening to Landline.